Welcome to devmode.fm, the podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107, and here I have with me the only man I know that has a restraining order against going within 300 yards of a zoo, Ryan <laughs> Ireland. How you doing, Ryan? Andrew, you're supposed to let me introduce myself, not add in your own editorializing full of falsehoods. I just... I thought people should know about the incident with the alpaca cage. Anyway, let's, <laughs> let's get beyond that. So I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things today. I got a, I got a bunch of stuff on my okay. list, and I, hopefully you got a bunch of stuff on your list. The first thing I wanted to talk to you about is I've got this website called nystudio107.com. Mm-hmm. It's running Craft 3. I haven't updated it to Craft 4. Okay. And the reason I haven't done it is I've been kind of wanting to redo it. Like the site has been... It's a little bit long in the tooth. You know, it it serves its purpose, but I wanted to update it with something else. And I've really been thinking about using a front-end framework to build it in some way, because essentially it's a blog site. You know, it's not anything that needs a whole bunch of dynamicism on the back end. I'll probably keep craft as the back end just because all the data is there, you know, but I want to use it via API. And I wanted to see what you thought, if you had any ideas, um, in terms of what I might use to redo it. Now, especially with how quickly things change in the JavaScript world, you know, who knows? Uh, There'll probably be some new framework out tomorrow that I'll be Mm -hmm. looking into. But the the choices I've been thinking about are using Nuxt. Mm -hmm. So Nuxt is a static site generator. Uh, It also can do dynamic stuff based on routes. And it uses Vue. Mm-hmm. And that's appealing to me because uh, I like the idea of using a static generator for this. It would be fun to build something with Nuxt 3, which has just been released. So that's a positive. I know Vue relatively well. So that's another positive. I could just jump in and do it. Um, another option for me would be Next. I do know some React, but I haven't done nearly as much with React as I have done with Vue. But that is an appealing thing about choosing it because it would kind of force me to get better at React, which is used everywhere. You know, I mean, there are all sorts of projects that I've seen that are React this, React that. You know, people may not even know CSS, but they know React, that type of thing. And then there's Astro, which is uh, the current darling of the developer blog world. It seems like everyone that, uh, you know, every year they rebuild their developer blog using something. A lot of people are picking Astro to do it. And one of the Nice things about that is that it is framework agnostic. So you can bring in components from whatever you choose. If you like uh, React or Vue or Svelte, and you can even mix and match them, is mm-hmm. my understanding. I haven't actually built anything with it. Um, and then the, the final one that I'm kind of mulling over is uh, Remix. And we did an episode with the uh, folks from Remix where we're talking about that. That's uh, kind of interesting because it's sort of like if Laravel was written in Nodeland, in that it does both client-side and server-side stuff, and there can be zero JavaScript on the front end, and it's all progressively enhanced, and it just seems like a an interesting approach. So th- those are the four that I Do have I get to pick in for consideration. You? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious if you have any oh. opinions or, or input on those four that I'm mulling over, or if there's one that I've just completely missed and that I should be considering. Sure. Um... So I haven't, I looked at Nuxt 3 when it was in beta like 13 months ago and um, and the, the support was still kind of spotty for like even, you know, deploying it to services or uh, with other, you know, packages that you wanted to use with it. But um, I know yeah, it's gotten V3 better. is out now though. V3 is out. Like the actual Goldmaster V3 is out now. Right. And so, so I like early this year, I just stopped paying attention to it because I realized yeah. that it was the, the, 
like it was going to take a while for the community and everything else, the dependencies to catch up to Nux three, and it wasn't quite ready. So I don't Take know a lot. It's ready, right? Yeah. So I've, <laughs> I've kind of to me, there's, there's like been like a, sort of like this gulf between you know the next three beta and now to where I just stopped paying attention. But I mean, I think Nux is still interesting. Uh, I also haven't done, I don't know if I've done anything with Next. Um, to me, Astro what and you, Remix are the most. What do you, appealing. What do you hold on, hold on. Before mm-hmm. you get into those two, so what do you think about the idea of me picking Nux or, or sorry, me picking yeah Next? not mm-hmm. next, next, as a framework to use, as a way to kind of force myself to get better at React. Do you think that that is a, a stupid idea or? I don't think, I think, I don't think it's stupid. I don't think any time that you spend learning something is a waste. It's just, is that, you know, do you want to do more stuff in that space? If you're going to spend time learning something, because your learning curve for Nux is probably going to be, you know, uh, it's not going to be very steep, right? You're going to probably be able to, get into that pretty quickly. But if you're going to learn something new, I would just jump right into like Svelte and Svelte Kit. And mm. just, if you wanted to build something new, that's, you know, a bit, you know, quite a bit newer. And I guess it's more of like, you know, the rage right now is, is Svelte. Then I would do that. Although we did that podcast on Remix and I've always wanted to figure out a way to, uh, to use it for something. Uh, remix is kind of remix is another one that would force me to do react stuff because although Mm -hmm. they do plan to divorce it from its relationship with react um it currently you need to do some react in order to use it yeah and you know i guess the reason i say stupid is that you know if you're going to build a site you're kind of ignoring all of your knowledge if you choose not to use something that you know how to use right Right. (laughs) i mean i think it's smart to not build it the same way that you have it or just to go just make it you know straight swig with some view components that makes sense mm-hmm. to me you've done that yep. right you, there's nothing that's you can and you can do that for a like a client project where there's a specific deadline and it needs to be a predictable process but yeah you know, right, don't so do that you, on the, your own the police the police have a gun to your head at the alpaca cage and they're telling you to make a choice like which <laughs> one would you choose for me to use to do this svelte and svelte kit or Svelte Kit. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. The, my, you know, and I should have put that on the list, to be honest, because I have played around with Svelte, and I love the idea of mm-hmm. Svelte as well. I think the reason why I, when I first looked at it, uh, Svelte Kit wasn't quite there yet, kind of mm-hmm. like with Nux 3 for you. Yep. And also some of the uh, image components that are available for Nuxt and also for Next were kind of appealing to me. You know, they could take care of a, a lot of stuff for you. That was kind of nice. The other thing is, you know, whenever I learn something new, part of it is that I want it to be something that interests me, right? And Svelte does interest me, but I also want it to be a skill that I think will kind of translate as widely as possible. Right. And I realize that that's playing it a little bit safe, but there are a number of cases where there are, are projects that are coming up where they're using Vue or they're using React and it, you know, getting getting better at those would be kind of nice. But maybe you're right. Maybe for my own like little pet project, maybe maybe I should not care about that. I don't think you should. It's like we're coming up when we're recording this, we're coming up on like the holiday season. It's the time to, uh, to be positive, cap the year off with um, learning some new tools. People have a lot of downtime typically. Not me, but I guess other people. <laughs> and... <laughs> And uh, roll into the new year with the new NY Studio 107. Let me ask you this. That's are not you, happening. That's are not you going to call not... it NY Studio 108 when you launch the new one? No, I'm oh, not, Ryan. That's not a version it's number. Not, okay. It's not an iterative thing. It Sorry. happens to be my wife's birthday, and I actually didn't realize that for years, but that's okay. <laughs> well, not that I didn't know when her birthday was, but that I didn't. I'm, I don't know. I'm just an idiot. Anyway. Yeah. No, I don't. And it's definitely whatever I do is not going to be done by the end of the year. Like I'm looking at the list of stuff that I have to do or I want to do. And there's just no way, you know, so it's going to be something that I'm going to be doing on the side. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of facing the same thing with um, an office build that I'm trying to do. And I need to be done Mm. by a certain date. And the holidays are in between me and that date. Um, Mm. And I'm not sure that I can actually get it all done, plus everything else. So I I feel you. Oh, this is the home office that you're building, right? 
Yeah, so in the backyard, we have um, the previous owner was a contractor. And so he built like this beefy stick built like a house shed. Um, it's not very big, yep. but it's big enough for a home office. And um, it just, it's just like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's two by fours. It just needs to have like electricity and, and everything roughed in and then mm-hmm. insulated and, and then finished on the interior. It already has like a metal roof and, and I had gutters put on it. Uh, a couple of years ago, so I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it out as a home office now that my lease in my office that I've had for years, um, just a mile or two from home, is going to uh, come up for renewal. But uh, yeah, I'm trying some, to do... as someone who has gotten a lot of use out of my barn, which yeah. now is my office, I heartily recommend and thumbs up you doing what you're doing. I mean, I think it's going to be pretty fantastic for you. The one thing I will recommend to you for heating and cooling. Mm-hmm is get one of those ductless units that is both a heat pump and an yeah. AC unit. That's yep. what I have in the barn, and it yeah. works amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, the goal is to get a, like a mini split, and uh, that's what the electrician's going to rough in for, because I have to have power run to it. So this is like very much like a, like a coding project. I, mm. I did discovery, and then I talked to an electrician, a specialist, and he said, oh, before we can run power to this other building, we actually have to upgrade all of like your whole panel and your service to your yeah. house because you it's probably still... need a new sub panel or something, right? <laughs> we'll have to get it all upgraded because it's still the original. Uh, we live in like a um, post-war kind of like mid-century neighborhood. And so it's, it's like the original 1962 uh, panel. So it has to be all upgraded. Um, so that's like the, like the, the prerequisite to even start the actual office build is to get this mm. whole panel upgraded. That means that involves the city, that involves permitting, all this stuff. So oh, yeah. um so it's just it's just kind of kind of frustrating. But I am he is gonna rough in. Um we're getting a mini split uh in the office. I'm actually gonna have a mini split put in the garage too. So we can uh, mostly cool the garage in the summer just to like a you know a temperature that humans can uh you know stand in for more than uh five minutes. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's the plan. It's a, it's a small space. It won't take much to heat or cool it. Um, but it will be nice to be able to just have a place to work, especially on the weekends. If I just need to pop in and just get something done or at an odd time, uh, it'd be nice to have like the dedicated workspace at home, which I don't have uh, right now at all. Now, how far is this from your house? Like, is it a distance or is it literally just like a stone's throw away from your house? Um, I don't know, 20 feet. 20 feet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I guess you can lock the door. I was just thinking about, you know, people, family members coming in there and disturbing you. But hopefully that's something you can train them on. Just, you know, if daddy's in there, leave him alone. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you just like yell and or, throw things. Is that's that's what that's still acceptable. Right. Or not. Or maybe also, you know, both your marriage and your child may also be at the age that neither one really wants anything to do with you anyway. So they're not <laughs> going to bother you when you're in there. Right. <laughs> Don't project your experience onto me. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm just looking at the situation. I mean, it is true, but I'm just looking into the situation <laughs> and I'm saying, you know, it's uh, probably what's going on, you know? Yeah. Well, let me uh, transition to something else that I have been playing around with for some time. So, you know, I've been using Vite and we've talked about Vite a lot and it's a, a really nice local development tool as well as it uses Rollup for bundling your JavaScript and all that stuff. I also converted all of my documentation for my plugins over to VitePress. Hmm. So they're all building VitePress and they're, they're using that. It's very similar to ViewPress in a way, but it is much more lightweight and it obviously uses Vite. So it's, it's very fast to, to bring up and all that kind of stuff. And I found it uh, incredibly useful. I've integrated some plugins, so it does uh, grammar checking and it does some other stuff for me and it, it works really nicely. I've been digging into it. They're not quite at a 1.0 release yet. I think they're at like 1.0.0 alpha four or something like that, Mm. right? But I've been digging into it a little bit more uh, in terms of how it works. And it's actually really interesting. So VitePress is essentially a a plugin for Vite. That's all it is. So when you start up the VitePress dev server, all it does is make a new Vite dev server and it adds its own plugin to the mix and then that's it. Everything else is just like a little Vite build. 
And what that plugin mostly does is it parses the markdown that you have for your documentation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that crazy. Uh, there are a lot of systems out there that do something very similar to that, but you, you write the docs in Markdown, they show up nice in GitHub, it's easy to write, it's easy to, for people to do pull requests. So there are a lot of really nice benefits to having the docs separate like that. The, as I've dug into it more, the other cool thing about VPress, or that I think is really cool, is that inside of your Markdown, you can just add view components or you can just add React components. You can just be writing Markdown and you're like, oh, you know what? I really need something a little bit more interesting here. And you can just slap a view component right in the middle of it and it will all just work. Have you, used, um, have you done that? V- um, I have, just as playing around with it. Um, that's the other thing that honestly, like potentially, it might sound weird, but the NY Studio site could potentially be done in VPress. Yeah, when I, when I um, was publishing or, or, or working on the first guide for craft quest, which is kind of like a long form written thing, almost like a, a short book. I did look at VPress for that. Like, how can I, like, what's mm-hmm. an easy way of getting like the table of contents and just a, an experience, a user experience that's geared towards writing. So I could see that. Yep. I mean, you're right. The main part of your site is all the articles. Yeah, there are blogs up there. There are also all the plugin documentation is up there, but okay, right. that is all done in Veep already, right? Or sorry, it's all done in VPress. Mm-hmm. Um, so the plugin docs are up there, plugin pages, uh, that type of thing. There's nothing I couldn't do. I could do the whole thing as a VPress site, like if I wanted to, which is just, I don't know, it feels weird, but it's kind and it would of all be static, too, maybe. Right, it's just static files? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be 100% static file. It has Algolia uh, integrations and some other integrations. and. What really kind of sets it apart from ViewPress, I know that they're either planning to or in the middle of adding v- support to ViewPress. What really sets it apart from ViewPress is that it comes with this default theme. And if you want to just use, it's a very opinionated theme. It's what they use for their docs and it's your, your standard documentation, you know, where they've got a table of contents on the left, they got a search bar, they got all that other kind of stuff. And if that works for you, then you can just use and extend their theme, like without doing any work yeah. out of the box. But VPress actually works without any theme at all, or you can make your own theme. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a, an interesting approach. I, I have to wrap my head around whether I think it's a good idea to build the whole site using it, um, or if it makes more sense to use something more like Nuxt, if I'm going to go that route. How, customizable, I, how customizable is it with like the overall like UI because you know VPress and ViewPress they kind of have that look to them. Yeah, like it's so it, it's as customizable as you want it to be. Again, okay. if you want to use their standard theme, you're going to get certain standard things that you can turn on or off, and right. you know it kind of is what it is. But it's probably perfect for documentation. You know, there's probably you don't have to do anything else. However, you can also feed it pages that are whatever. Um, like you could, you actually can just feed it view components. You can feed it, like I said before, Markdown with view components inside it. If you really wanted to customize it, what I've done is, um, you can extend their existing theme mm-hmm. You add or change stuff as you want. Um, but really if you wanted something custom, what you probably would do is write your own theme, right. Uh, uh to do it. And I don't know, it, it's an interesting idea. I have the feeling. I probably will go with one of the alternatives that we discussed above and just keep the documentation in VPress. But it's really neat. I mean, if anyone out there is listening and they like writing stuff in Markdown, uh, VPress is actually really cool. And I love the idea that you just write it in Markdown, you can just bang out the Markdown. And if you want to add a view component, slap it in there. If you want to add a React component, just slap it in there. You can do all of these things with it. And it's a really nice technology that you get up and running super quick and you can add whatever plugins you want to it when you're building the stuff. Like I said, I've got text lint in there and that does all the grammar checking. You can have it enforce certain things. Like if you don't like certain styles of writing, you can do that. Um, I've got it integrated with uh, GitHub Actions so that it actually builds this stuff on the server too. Right. So all I do is I push this stuff to the server and it runs that GitHub action 
and it builds it and then it deploys it to my site. Nice. So I don't have to do anything other than modify the file, commit it, and I'm done. Like I'm done with the documentation. So that's something I've been playing with quite a bit lately too. So something else I wanted to talk to you about, Ryan, that doesn't have anything to do with tech. So it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm getting kind of excited. So you cost me a bunch of money. <laughs> you were talking about how you were taking uh, your daughter and I think your whole family to go see Taylor Swift, right? You were, you're one of those Swifties, right? You got your little Swiftie uh, fan this, club this was thing. A, this was a topic of conversation uh, last night at dinner because you, I think it was yesterday, you accused me of being uh, identifying with that group, which I do not. Um, although my daughter does think I'm a Swifty. Even this morning on the way to school, she's like, you're like a teeny, like putting on Taylor Swift when we get in the car. And I was like, I like, like mm-hmm. I, I think she makes like good pop music. Um, your daughter's right. You're a Swifty. <laughs> Just accept it. You know, it is what it is. Right? But yes. So I was one of the million people or whatever who was trying to buy tickets um, through the, the, the Ticketmaster system. And apparently it got shut down because they couldn't fulfill orders and they just gave up trying to sell them, right? Well, I was in like the I was in the queue for seven and a half hours. But part of Is that it because you were in the Swifty or were you you're like a Taylor Swifty fan, so you're in her fan club well, it's or just whatever. The, the, so the Ticketmaster verified fan thing, which Whoa, 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 hold on. So I want to get this on record. I want to be very clear about this. So you are in the Taylor Swift fan club. No. It's a Ticketmaster mm. thing, and it's, it's the same. All it is, it's a ruse to get you to give Ticketmaster a bunch of personal information ahead of I buying see. the tickets. And then they Got get it. you in this dynamic pricing system when you're trying to buy tickets, and the prices are constantly changing and fluctuating around uh, as you're, as you're like, trying to buy tickets. Tickets are disappearing and reappearing. Fu- fu- fluctuating. I thought you said fluctuating. I'm no. like, wow, that is a great. If that's not a word, that should be a word. I'm I am, sorry. I am from New Jersey, but I don't have quite that vocabulary. Hey, what um, are you doing, Ron? I'm just fluctuating around. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, so I did. I ended up getting tickets, and you know, I went like a little, a little nicer. I even got nicer tickets than I got for Bruce Springsteen, who I'm going to see nice. in the spring. Um, but well, my, my understanding is that those tickets are going for like over five thousand dollars now. Like I mean, maybe like market. maybe so, I should maybe I should just sell them and just you know, do something else. But yeah, I got tickets. You know, you got three tickets. That's over fifteen grand. Yeah, scalp them. Yeah, I think it's illegal, but I'm going to tell you to do an illegal thing: scalp them <laughs> and go on a vacation somewhere you know? on a recording. Here, here, yeah, here, here's what you do, Ryan. You scalp them, you get all the money, you go on a beautiful vacation somewhere, mm-hmm. and you just put on a, a Taylor Swift MP3. I mean, just, that's it. you know, it's fine. Yeah, yeah that's all you got to do. Yeah. So, but anyway, the reason I, I brought this up is uh, that got me thinking. You said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm taking my daughter to Taylor Swift. I'm like, yeah, you know, I hadn't even thought about that. My son, Jack, plays the piano, and he had been mentioning that uh, he likes Billy Joel is one of them. And Billy Joel is someone that I... I've always enjoyed his music, but I've never really like gone out of my way to buy his albums. But yeah, if any of his music comes on, you know, I sing along, you know, piano man, like who doesn't love these things? We didn't start the fire, all that kind of good stuff. But he really enjoys it. And he even turned to me while we were in the car one time. He's like, can you imagine how amazing it would be if you were in a concert and Billy Joel just started playing piano man? You know? <laughs> and then I, the, the two clicked together in my tiny little pea brain. I'm like, huh, I wonder if I could take my son to a Billy Joel concert. So I searched, I, I got it, went online, I Googled. I'm like, holy crap, he's actually touring. And then I went, holy crap, he has a concert the night before my son's birthday. Like I could do this as a, I could make up for all the horrible things I do. I would be the father of the year, you know, <laughs> if I could bring him there for his birthday to do this. And then I, I looked over at my wife. I'm like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And she she weighs things, you know, she thinks about things for a long time, whereas I'm impulsive, like I'll just freaking go do it. Like I, yeah. if I wasn't married to her, I probably would already be at the concert right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and she gave me the signals that, you know, she was uh, not opposed to the idea, which means that she's really enthusiastic about it. Right. And like, like we've talked about before, she identifies as German. So yes. she's kind of, you know, it just 
in that way. I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just, just the way she is. And so then I started searching for flights and I found a flight and I found a hotel and I found on Ticketmaster, I found that there were five tickets left of two or more people. Mm -hmm. And I found two that were next to each other. I'm like, this is destiny, Ryan. Yeah. I, I like just did a search. It's the night before his birthday, the concert. There are two tickets side by side on the floor, row 15. So we're going to be like right up there. I went for it. I bought it. I booked the flight. I booked the hotel. I put the tickets. But My he doesn't plan know. Is to essentially, he doesn't know anything. I'm going to surprise him. So the plan is I'm going to kidnap him. Oh. So I'm going to pack a bag the night before. And the day of, I'm going to be like, okay, Jack, time to get in the car. I got a surprise for you. Let's go. Throw the bag in there. I'm going to make sure he's got, you know, the stuff that we need him to have when he comes. We'll have all that stuff figured out. And then in the car, he's going to be like, well, where are we going? What's going on? I'm going to turn to him and I'm going to say, Jack, how amazing would it be if you were at a concert and Billy Joel <laughs> just started playing the piano man? Like, I'm going to say that right back to him. And hopefully, he'll, and I'm going to tell him ahead of time, like I had thought about maybe surprising him by taking him all the way to New York and be like, Dad, what the, what are we doing here? What's going right. on? And just walking him to Madison uh, Square Garden and then pointing at the, you know, the big, I assume there's going to be a big picture of Billy Joel up there or something like that. But I'm like, you know what? I think a little level of anticipation would probably get him even more excited. Yeah. You know, if he knows about it for at least, you know, six, seven hours ahead of time so he can get all pumped he might, up. He might, otherwise, so, he might think you're bringing him to like juvie or something like that. Yeah, who knows? I mean, he might think there's some weird child abduction thing going on. I don't know. But so, but I Ryan, you, say, uh, uh, yeah. you know, I grew up in New Jersey and Billy Joel is, you know, he's a, a New York guy. So, but, you know, tri state area. To me, the place to do this type of thing. Is absolutely one hundred percent Madison Square Garden. That's like that's like Billy Joe's home. Yep. You know that's he actually has residency there. I didn't know this. Like, yeah. Like I said, I don't know a whole lot about him, but apparently he has residency there. Yeah. So he will be back again in December. But I and my wife was like, ah, oh, you know, maybe you should wait and we could plan it more. And I'm just like, no, this is too perfect. Like just a seat of your pants. Yeah. Fly out there, go do this thing. The only real downside is we're going to miss our turkey trot run, which is uh, okay. the morning of Thanksgiving. Yeah. But you can do it virtually, too. So you can just record your own time and submit it to them. And apparently they're fine with that. Yeah. So I think the trade-off is worth it. And I'm, I'm hoping, Ryan, I'm hoping that this is a wonderful experience that's going to blow his fuzzy little mind. And thank <laughs> you for the idea. But no thank you for all the money that you have cost me for this impulsive ticket purchase and flight and hotel down in New York city. But I am pumped. Like this I, is the kind of thing that awesome. gets me excited. One of, yeah. one of my things I've been trying to improve about how I approach just life in general is try to value more the experiences, like spend yes. money on experiences. Like, yep. like that's what I was thinking when I bought the Taylor Swift tickets. I also texted my wife. I was like, what do you think about these seats closer that are like, you know, <laughs> kind of expensive. And she did the same thing. Was like, well, that actually might be kind of nice. And I was like, yeah. And then you know, then you know that she's down with it, right? Yeah. Right. It's like so. Yeah. Then you're gonna go, and you think, oh, if we went, and we had nosebleed seats. Then it's just basically like somebody's playing Taylor Swift over a loudspeaker. But if you're a bit closer, it seems kind of cool. So again, it's the experiences. It's the same reason I'm going to see in the spring, Bruce Springsteen twice, like once here in Austin and once in North Carolina. Is like I just want to spend some time doing those things, especially to see people, not so much Taylor Swift, but like Springsteen, Billy Joel, that are of the generation before us who aren't going to be around forever. Let's go right. uh, enjoy their music. So Yeah, I, I don't know I, how I feel about I having geriatric people up on stage. Like I saw <laughs> pictures of the Rolling Stones touring, and I'm sure it's a great show. And I, I, I love the Rolling Stones and all that. But, you know, seeing like 70, 80-year-old guys up on stage. It's amazing. I, just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's amazing. amazing. They don't all have like adrenaline lines, like almost like power cables running into their bodies to keep them going. I'm sure they have some kind of substance running into their <laughs> bodies, right? I mean, I'm sure they do. But my understanding is Billy Joel, even though, you know, he's uh, maybe not in, uh, shall we say, athletic shape anymore. But my understanding is that he still is giving amazing concerts, oh, yeah, which I'm makes sure. sense to me. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So big, I'm big, looking forward really to that. Cool. The other thing that we're doing 
both of our kids' birthdays are close together. So the other thing that we're doing, and you're not going to approve of this. I already know this is going to be far too violent for you. You're not going to like it. Mm. But we're taking both of the kids and some of their friends to one of those smash rooms. Right? I don't know what those are. Where, so it's this room where you go in there and you wear this protective gear. And they put you in there with a whole bunch of things like car windshields and oh. used electronics and keyboards and old fax machines and all, all this stuff that Tyler is going to love this. This seems like right up his alley. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it, it's stuff that you, they salvage, right? Yeah. And so it was going to be thrown out anyway. It would have ended up in a landfill. So it's not like it's necessarily a wasteful thing. And you go in there and they have all these different implements that you can pick. So they've got like a, a tire iron, they've got a, uh, they've got baseball bats, they've got sledgehammers, they got all this stuff. And you basically just go in there and you just bash all of this stuff. <laughs> like, you know, there'll be an old printer that you'll just bash it to pieces. Uh, yeah. They said keyboards are great because you smash them and the keys go flying everywhere. Right. And uh, glasses and plates that you can throw at the wall and then a couple of car windshields that you can bash in, all that kind of stuff. So that's uh, where we're taking the kids for like their kind of joint birthday party thing is we're going to we're going to set them in there and let them just rage let them smash that sounds great i wonder if there's one of those in in austin i can um, guarantee you that there is yeah there's got to be one yeah because we were looking Although for something there that, oh there is yeah and there you probably actually use guns or or grenades or <laughs> c4 or some kind of crazy stuff down in texas right um rage room it's called yeah uh, yeah, no, we were looking for something to do for my daughter's birthday. Uh, we ended yeah. up on, whoa, we, uh, sorry, some, the rage room music started playing. Um, <laughs> and we, we actually opted to do, uh, like cause kids like, you know, the tweens, like they all have phones and they all like to do like photos and all like, you know, take selfies and stuff like that. Yeah. So we're, um, we rented a, uh, a stretch limo and wow. we're having, we're, there's a bunch of, uh, her friends are all going to go in the limo and we're driving around to these different, like picture places in Austin, like the, you know, like the greetings from Austin, Texas mural and the, I love yep. you so much mural. And we're going to have them all take like selfies and photos with each other and then kind of drive around town and then come back to the house, um, for like, you know, pizza and all that stuff. So that's kind of yeah. Hard. We're going to be doing something similar. I'm sure they're going to be taking selfies and videos, but we're going to be destroying stuff. <laughs> we're going to be just stuff. smashing stuff into little bits and pieces. How cool would you it be if they even... just drove like a car in and they said, "All right, this is your car. Smash!" No, away. no, you, you can, oh. and that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So they they do normally have cars, and I was totally what I was going to do. I, I just had this vision. It would be like a, a Mad Max scene. You yeah. Know what I mean where the kids just all are like climbing on top of this car and just <laughs> annihilating it. That's exactly what I was going to do, but their supplier of cars didn't have any at the moment oh or gosh. something like that. So it's like temporarily they didn't have it. So I'm like, all right, well, I still want to do it, but yeah, you know, it is so what it cool. is. I think, um, I think your daughter might like to smash some stuff, Ryan. I think you maybe we do that. Stuff. Like, uh, maybe that can just be like a weekend thing. Just, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can just rent it out. I mean, I'm sure they'll have fun, you know, we raise our kids, you know, be careful of this, you know, don't break that and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. But I think they're going to like to get in there and just unload and be like, I'm smashing stuff. Yeah. I used to, that was being destructive and setting things on fire. That's like core to childhood. Yeah. Well, speaking of being destructive, Ryan, one of the other things that I have been doing lately is I release this thing called Code Editor. You know, switching yes. back to tech real quick. Yeah. So Code Editor is a, it's basically a library that other developers can use if they want a full featured code editor, either on the front end or in the CP. Mm -hmm. And it uses Monaco behind the scenes. So it supports all sorts of different languages. I think 80 plus different languages. It supports full syntax checking, autocomplete. Like it, it literally is the same code that is in VS code, that very popular editor. Yeah. It's literally that core code with some layers added on top to make it work in a browser. And it's from Microsoft. They did a really efficient job with it. It runs as a, a worker thread, so it doesn't block the main thread while it's doing stuff. And it just is beautifully done. I wanted this for uh, SEOmatic because there's lots of places you can enter Twig. I wanted the nice autocomplete, the Twig 
template validation, all that kind of stuff. It also will auto-complete the craft APIs um, and any plugin APIs. It just makes writing code so much easier. I ironically, editing a template in SEOmatic in the CP, you are going to get a better experience than using VS Code editing a template. Like you, you are, because it's the same core stuff, but it has all of the, the Twig autocomplete and documentation and craft autocomplete right. and documentation all kind of layered on top. And that's also something that I did a PR for Sprig and also for the pre-parse field. And now that it supports all, all languages, not just Twig, uh, I also did a PR for Lindsay's CPJS and CPCSS, right? And so it's great. It's being used in a, a number of places. And then I said, you know what? This would be super easy to write a nice code field for craft CMS that would allow me to then integrate that. And I ended up writing that as well. It's something that for my blog, I use a field type. Um, I don't even remember which one it is, but it's a little bit clunky and a little bit outdated. Um, and I'm going to eventually just switch it over to this. The nice thing is I can just switch the field type and all the data is going to stay there. I don't have to go in and redo anything like yeah. it automatically just works because I, I didn't want to have to redo that stuff myself <laughs> either, you know? Um, so I'm pretty, pretty happy about that. And it's nice. Uh, anyone can use it. You can even make it appear on the front end if you want. So you can have examples on the front end that not just will be syntax highlighted and, and colored right and all that stuff. But people can actually uh, copy. You can make it read only if you want. So they can copy the code, but not change it. And they'll still get all the hovers and all that kind of cool stuff. The reason I talk about, or the reason I said uh, the transition was being destructive, when I went to refactor this thing from doing just Twig to supporting every language, which is something the editor already could do, I just wrote it specifically for Twig. I also took the time to refactor it um, using TypeScript. So I had written it in just JavaScript, uh, in, in large part, just because a lot of the examples that I saw, uh, it actually, I probably will do a blog post about it because there were, it was actually very difficult to piece together everything I needed to do to do what I wanted to do with the Monaco editor. Um, but I refactored in TypeScript and man, it was a, not a lot of work, but a decent bit of work, but so worth it because I added types for everything and it caught a number of errors that I had written in my JavaScript. Like just by converting it to TypeScript, I got all of these little underlines everywhere. And it caused me to find bugs that I'm just like, huh, huh. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that it ever worked. And I, you know, so it made it infinitely worth it to be destructive in one way and abandon that it was written in JavaScript and refactor it in TypeScript. Really, it's not rewriting it. It's really just adding types and then fixing any errors that it, it finds in your, your typing and other issues in there. But man, just the act of doing that vastly improved the code base. You know, I'm sure the fact that I went in there for a second round of reiteration probably right. helped make it better. But also just TypeScript doing its thing and enforcing the types and all the checking it did vastly improved my code. Have you? Thought about doing that for anything? Yes, I have thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I use the, um, the the stuff that I do for CraftQuest. The is is TypeScript, but um, yep. and, and that definitely you know needs some refactoring for sure. But let me ask you about the the code editor. So how do you, how does one use that then in in Craft? What's the entry point for using that? So code editor, and this is going to get confusing. Code editor is the core library part. Okay. That's the part that other plugins would use. If and I wanted to use that field type or in my own plugin, like settings fields or something. Yeah. So all you have to do is require the package. Okay. And then anywhere where you would do, where you'd import, you know, forms from forms, you import the, the craft forms that they use for all of the edit uh, controls and all that. You just import uh, code field from code field. And then anywhere that you had uh, like text uh, forms dot text field, you just replace forms with code editor. Oh, okay. And that's it. The syntax is exactly the same. Okay. Right? So to transform an input from just a generic input that has some text in it, literally it's adding one import to the file in Twig. 
and then changing where you had forms, changing that to code field. And everything else is the same. All the parameters you pass in the same, everything is the same. There are some additional optional things that you can pass in if you want, but you can even look at the PRs that I did for uh, these various plugins like CPJS and CPCSS and all that. And really it's, it's mostly deleting stuff, like deleting all this like legacy stuff that he had, but the template changes are, are just two places. That's mm. all it is, I mean, it's, it's so, I made it because I didn't want to spend a lot of time refactoring stuff. So I'm just like, you know what? Might as well just do it the same way that Kraft is doing it and just change the import and have everything else just work. And I'm, I'm actually really pleased about that. You know, it's super, super easy to just start using it. Now, if you're not a plugin author or you're not a module author, um, you probably will want to use the thing that's called code field. And that's okay. the actual craft field that is in the plugin store that you can install. It requires code editor and most of the, you know, most of the work is done there. The field is just a, a wrapper that adds the field type and adds a, a couple of things like dynamic switching, all that kind of stuff. The code editor also supports uh, by default, it will detect whether you're in light mode or dark mode, and it will use the appropriate theme, whether a light or dark theme for the editor, although you can override that. One of the things that I did uh, both in the code editor and in the code field is I made sure that everything was overridable. Like you can, you get the whole Monaco config if you want it, and you can override to make it look or act any way that you want, as opposed to me. I, I did pick and choose a few major settings that people are probably gonna wanna turn on and off, um, but then you can override all of the minutia and including those uh, GUI settings just by the config that you put in there. Just like a JSON config. Nice. I haven't used yeah, it so yet, um, mm -hmm. but I would like to. Super easy. Like yeah, you, especially you on the front do end. It for, kind of intriguing. Yeah, you, you absolutely can do it on the front end. And, and the reason it works is it just registers an asset bundle, mm -hmm. right? When you include it. And that just causes everything to load that needs to load. And the macros work the same way that the forms, macro, forms macros work. And you can just do it. And I'm planning to switch over my front end examples to, uh, to use it, um, depending on what I end up doing for uh, the refactor of the site. But yeah, your code examples on CraftQuest could, uh, could have all the things in it. Yeah, that, that would be a nice upgrade. Yeah. So there's one other thing I want to talk about real quick. Have you heard of a game called Star Citizen? I have not. Um, is it like a, a console game or? It's a PC only game. Okay. And the person behind it is the guy that did the original Wing Commander game. Mm -hmm. You remember that game? Yeah. And he's been doing space sims and that type of thing for a long time. The interesting thing about Star Citizen is that it's been in development for 10 years, Ryan. 10 years. Wow. Like we're, we're talking like Duke Nukem territory. <laughs> <laughs> and it still isn't released. It's in an alpha. It's, it's playable, but it's not officially released or whatever. They've raised over $500 million Gosh. for this game. So that's how, the, and they've, you know, they've got hundreds of people that work split across, across a couple of offices. It looks really interesting. It's essentially a space sim game like Elite, where you, you fly fighter ships and, or any kind of ship you want, and you trade and you go from planet to planet it's there are no loading screens in it so basically you know you start out walking around a space station then you find your ship you get in your ship you fly it down to whatever planet you want to go it's a seamless transition from outer space down through the atmosphere onto the planet hmm. you cruise down to the planet and you land on it and then you can get out of your ship and you can walk around like it's a first person shooter you can mine you can trade they have ships that require additional people to run them. So it's a, a massively multiplayer game too, that you can have one friend can be manning the guns and the other one can be doing engineering and you can be the pilot and it, it looks amazing. And it's PC only. Mm. It's the only thing that it runs on. I have thought about buying a gaming PC. <laughs> I was gonna just ask, cause I've been asked to buy to a play this PC. game. Okay. Yeah. And what had held me up from doing it, because I, I am very intrigued by it. there are two things that have held me up from doing it. 
one is I didn't know where I would put this whole rig. I don't really have room. Or I don't really want to make room in my barn because half of it's workout stuff. The other half is my work. Right. I didn't, I sort of do have a place where I could put it. I could put it in a, like a downstairs office we have at the house. But that was one excuse. That kind of went away when on a hike, it dawned on me that I've got this 77-inch TV in my barn mm. that I could just hook the damn thing up to. Like, I don't need a station, right? I could just get a wireless keyboard mouse. Like a console. Hook it up to yeah. the, yeah, hook it up and just play from there. I totally could do that. That's excuse number one, down and gone. <laughs> and I've been talking back and forth with Matt Stein about this because he also, he actually already has a gaming PC. Does he, he loves really? games like this. So I've been showing him videos of it and, you know, we've been getting each other hyped up about it. Oh, I need to text he, him. I was okay. wondering who was going to crack first. Well, today is the start. This is November 18th when we're recording this. Today is the start of two weeks of Fly for Free where you can join the game for free and you get two weeks where they make different ships available every day. You get to fly them out for free and, and try them out and everything. Matt cracked. He signed up and he, <laughs> the, what, the thing that he said to me was, well, actually, the thing that he said to me was, it was been nice knowing you, meaning that he's just going to disappear into this game until the end of time, apparently. I am looking and at that a was video my, of... Yep. Some of the, the vehicles that they've created for this thing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Mm -hmm. The artwork yeah. on this. Oh, and you can put vehicles in your ship if it's big enough and you can drive the vehicles on the ground. They've got like speeders. and But the main thing is it, it's supposed to be this super immersive world where it's totally freeform. You can do whatever you want. And there, I've seen videos. It's sad. Like I make fun of my kids for watching Minecraft videos of people playing the game, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm spending my evenings like watching videos of people playing this other game, and it is, it's actually entertaining to watch. But that was my other major objection, is that if I do that, like my life is over. Like I, I'm, I'm worried, I don't, I'm doing really good about hiking and exercising and running. If I buy this thing, I'm gonna be sitting on my ass even more than I do for my normal work just playing this game and I, I may disappear, Ryan. I may just vanish off the face of the earth. Well, I mean, I'll, um, I guess I'll miss you. But let me ask <laughs> oh, you this before you, you go. And before we yeah. have to wrap up this, yeah. this, this episode, yeah. what's like your, because I was asked to buy a gaming PC and my first thought was, mm -hmm. I don't have windows machines in my house. Like, I don't know how to, right. I don't even know how to like manage those. But, yep. but then I was like, okay, don't be such a boomer. Let's think about, like, where would you, where would I even go to look for a gaming PC? Is Alienware still the place, or is it something different now? Like, I don't want to build it from parts. Funny you should ask, Ryan. Okay, because I know you've already <laughs> been, I don't know, you're like, you probably have the, the credit card halfway out, out of your wallet at this point, but go ahead. Because sadly, I have been doing lots of research on this. <laughs> um, lots of people crap on Alienware mm -hmm. um, for what they provide in terms of it being overpriced. I am like you, that I don't want to build it from scratch, which is, it's ironic because, you know, I, I build things from scratch all day yeah. when I'm coding stuff, but that's exactly why I don't want to do it here. I want to buy something that I plug in and it freaking works. Oh, you know, Alienware is Dell now. Okay, I can see why people crap on it then. So I, I don't want to pick out this component, pick out that component and screw it all together and hope that the, the water cooling doesn't blow up and leak out. Like, I just, I don't want to deal with it. I understand that it will be cheaper if I do it that way. I understand that my nerd credentials will be taken away from me if I'm not building it from scratch. Yeah. That's fine. You know, I don't care. I have built stuff from scratch before. I don't want to do it again. So I have actually looked around and <clears throat> there are a number of manufacturers that make really good uh, solutions for you. They'll, they'll build them for you. There are any number of companies that do it. Um, Ironworks Computers is one that I've been looking at. That they're one of many that are quite good, and you can pick and choose the components you want out of the prefab stuff that you get, and you can just you can spend as much or as little as you want, and uh, you get yourself a, a prefab ready to go gaming PC. You know that's it. Everything's wow. pre-installed, and just plug it in and go. You know who else? Um, they don't have the. Uh, I don't think they ship them or sell them as completed things, but PC part parts picker. Yes. Um, and I know some people that uh, used to work there. 
but they yeah, that's the one that matt stein recommended and yeah. other people i know that are heavily into the gaming world they're like uh you know as soon as i would say pre-built they would kind of frown at me like you know what kind of loser are you like why do you <laughs> want to pay someone to build this for you same reason i sometimes pay people to cut my grass okay because i got other stuff to do yeah you know I mean? uh, listen i was complaining to a a, a a friend of mine the other day about i feel like half my life has turned into admin work for my life mm, and right, right. I'm, just, I'm trying to get away trying to right. get away from that um, but it looks like pc part picker will give you like uh like predetermined builds so you can say i just going to order everything and put this machine together and they, they will like you you can pick out a, and they'll even note when you have parts that don't work together yeah but ryan i got two kids I have built so many goddamn toys. I've built so many freaking Lego sets. Here's over. It. I don't want a computer as a Lego set that I got to put everything together. And I just, I don't care. I don't care. If I'm paying a couple hundred bucks more because someone else put it together, I'm good with that. You know, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. All right. Well, keep me updated on, on what you find. I'm, I'm kind of curious because I'm being asked about it by somebody 35 years younger than me, and I'm trying to understand mm -hmm. where this is coming from. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ironworks Computers is one. There are a number of reputable uh, manufacturers. Alexander Computers is another. There are lots of them um, that are have been around for some time. The Ironworks one has been around for 10 years, and their prices are, you know, I mean, you're paying a little bit of a premium over building it yourself, but... On the other hand, you don't have to build it yourself. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Good luck, Ryan. But that you. about wraps it up for another episode of the devmo.fm podcast. Every podcast sent to you, sign up on Google Play or subscribe on iTunes. I think we're on Spotify. We're all over the place. Thanks for coming, Ryan. Thanks, Andrew. I'm more concerned about the time that I might lose if I buy one of these gaming PCs and I get that stupid game yeah. than I am about the monetary expense of a, you know, kind of probably dumb thing about buying a gaming PC just to play one game, you know? I agree. I don't know what to do. I've already been asked to buy like a $80 um, mouse for a computer. And it's like, uh, is it, what's the name of the, Glorious? Do you know Glorious? I don't know. There, there's all, the, the aftermarket for PC customized gaming stuff. Glorious is, is Gaming. And I, yeah. somebody is getting a Glorious Gaming Mouse for their birthday. That's um, like the gateway drug, Ryan. Yeah. Now that they've got that, now you got to get a whole custom computer to go along with Listen, it. Listen, there's like the an iMac sitting on a desk in the bedroom that like... Not the same. Uh, I love my Macs, but they are not gaming machines. Yeah, I know. They just aren't. I'm sorry. <laughs>